Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. So today on the show, I have my friend and acupuncturist Stephanie Miska here to talk all about uh, starting your own clinic and her experience with starting her own clinic here in Victoria, B.C. So Stephanie is a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a registered acupuncturist and herbalist practicing in Victoria. She runs Focus Health Clinic, and her practice is focused on reproductive health and perinatal support. And I just want to plug her for a second and say that if you live in Victoria, if you're visiting Victoria, you have to come and see Stephanie because she has helped me so much with my migraines and my hormones, and I have so much to owe to her. So definitely check her out. And yeah, welcome, Stephanie. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> My pleasure to be here. And thanks for the nice shout out. Yeah, absolutely. I have to. I tell mm-hmm. everybody, I'm like, go see her. <laughs> uh, you're sweet. <laughs> yeah. So let's just get right into it. Tell us a little bit um, kind of about yourself and how you came to your own practice. And then we can just kind of shift into talking about how you opened your own clinic. Totally. Um, I obviously started, well, not obviously, but I did start as um, an acupuncture patient many, many years ago and had a lot of success with my own health struggles. And that led to, you know, going to school for five years, completing the Doctor of Chinese Medicine program um, out in Nelson and the Kootenays in Canada. Um, And then I moved back to Victoria, that's where I grew up, my family is, and started practicing at a different, few different clinics in town and just figuring out what I liked and what, um, type of practice I wanted to have, and then pretty quickly moved into having my own space, which is where um, I am now at Focus Health. That's the clinic that, that I run and work out of at this point. Love it. That's awesome. So I'm curious, you know, what, okay, let's kind of like pull it back to before you opened your own clinic, where were you kind of at when you were working in another clinic? Like what were the feelings re- re- that you were having? Like I could be doing this myself or what was that push to kind of like push you into wanting to start your own? Um, I, you know, there's, there's so much benefit to like work like in a larger group of practitioners when you're first starting. I think there was an idea that I would have a great referral base, um, that I'd walk into an already established clinic and it would be busy. Um, and that just wasn't the case at the clinics that I worked at. And so I found that I was working very, very hard to self promote and bring in business and get, generate my own clients and then I, at the end of the day, I was giving away um, at a minimum of 50% of any earnings that I was giving, getting to the clinic. And I think that my rationale was that if I am doing what felt like the majority of the work to generate and keep clients, I wanted to generate and keep more of that income um, than having to you know, pay so much to um, visit, like to work in a space that didn't feel like it was giving me what I needed at that point from my practice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I hear that so often that people join a clinic um, in hopes that they're going to get like all this business and all these referrals. And sometimes the clinic, I don't know if this was in the in your case, you know, a lot of the times a clinic will say we're going to send you referrals. So there is this like 
I guess in a sense, a false hope that it's going to like skyrocket your business and then it doesn't always happen, which can be a little bit frustrating because like you said, you're paying a percentage over to them, but you might not be getting you know, that support in return. So do you hear that often, even with like some of the practitioners maybe that you've had um, working with you that like they've worked at other clinics and it just didn't match up to what they thought? I do think it depends on the modality that you practice. Like if you, based on where we are in Victoria, if you are say like a physio or a massage therapist, I think you can probably walk into any clinic and be guaranteed to be busy. <laughs> but if you are other modalities, even including acupuncture, sometimes chiro, nutrition, um, that I think is a, is a different ball game. And so oftentimes I've, I, when I was, you know, being promised things from these clinics, I think it was based on the success they'd had with like massage therapists and other, and those modalities, as opposed to like acupuncture specifically. So that would be something I would look out for maybe if I was to ever go back or to recommend, or like if someone else was navigating, working at a clinic, um, is to maybe consider that, um, the the clinic that I, one of the clinics that I first signed on with they were like a really well established clinic right downtown all the practitioners are busy and I walked in and probably didn't see more than one or two patients a week for the first eight months that I worked there and that's a long time and that's that eight months and that, that duration was when I really started to like work myself and really started to realize that I had to put more effort in than I originally anticipated. And so depending obviously on the structure of the clinic, I think, I don't think a lot of us realize when we get out of school that we are essentially prepared or we should be more prepared to be self-employed. Cause even if you are a contractor, most clinics don't work in employee capacity. And, um, you know, there is an element of, you know, running your own business, being self-employed, having to do a lot of that work yourself that, um, I don't think they, well, they didn't teach us in school and they don't really acknowledge that that's part of the practice building. You have a great skill, but you also need to be ready to build a practice. And that's um, typically not something that other people can do for you. That's not always the case. You have a big clinic with a big marketing budget and a really like big community. That might be a different case. But for, I'd say, any like medium to small clinics, that will not be the case. Mm-hmm. And that's such a good point, too, about, you know, maybe they've had success with other modalities. I never even thought about it that way. But that's very true. So at the end of the day, it's not that the clinic is, you know, trying to um, portray it in a way that isn't the truth. It's the fact that they've maybe had success with other ones, other modalities that maybe are a bit, <clears throat> excuse me, more of an easier sell, you know, or that people are more aware of like massage, you know, that's something that a lot of the time is covered by insurance or that people um, are really aware of. So, you know, creating awareness for these other modalities that might not be as popular yet or as um, top of mind, yeah, could be a little bit harder for that clinic to maybe integrate in. And then my other thought would be, you know, um, what is the motivation for other people in the clinic to actually promote your services? You know, why would the other massage therapist talk about you, your nutrition or for you, you know, acupuncture business? Um, Did you ever find that like you had to try to connect with the other people in the clinic to show them what you could do so that they did refer over? Totally. Uh, I think like looking back over my few years of working in other clinics, I don't think there was anybody in the clinics I worked at that were consistently referring to me at any point. Um, Which is interesting because you go into a clinic that has like, you know, 
five to 20 other practitioners, you would hope that at some point you'd get some referrals from those other practitioners. But I actually found that was not the case. I would occasionally see referrals from the owners of the clinic, I think because they were almost like throwing me a bone a little <laughs> bit, just like to let them like, let me know I was, they were still like trying to help me out. Um, but I would, you know, I'd sometimes offer, we would do trades, you know, for like a massage for acupuncture, chiro treatments for acupuncture, just to get a feel for what, um, each other's practices were like, but I, and even so doing that, I actually, um, in retrospect, now I can see that, that, that had no benefit to my practice specifically to my like relationship with my colleagues. Absolutely. But to practice building, not at all. Mm, That's really good to know for those that are spending a lot of time maybe in that, uh, or, you know, building that relationship, which like you said, is good for morale, but it's not necessarily good for the business, you know, shifting gears. And I'm curious, I I do want to talk about like starting your own clinic, but I am also interested in like your experience in a clinic because I know so many people listening are in a clinic or want to join a clinic. So when you kind of had that mindset shift from like, okay, this isn't really happening. Like people aren't really sending me referrals. I need to kind of you know, for lack of a better word, get my shit together and start doing this for myself. Like what shifted for you or what did you start doing that you did start to see more clients coming in? Was it more marketing, more word of mouth from like people outside the clinic? What was it? Well, I, and I, I do think, you know, like being sort of actively self-employed, like being a contractor at a big clinic is going to be like massively different than running your own practice. And the ins and outs and admin and structure of running your own practice outside of like a clinic structure is sometimes like much preferred to people. It's, it can, you know, potentially be a lot easier. You can leave work at work. You don't have to be doing admin and marketing um, and billing and bookings and all these things too. So for a lot of people, that's a really big sell. They would rather pay more um, and have less money coming in. And just so that that hassle is not there. Um, but what I found for myself is that I was, you know, doing some of those things myself already. So if I'm going to networking meetings, if I am, you know, meeting with other practitioners and having coffee and I am like developing treatment plans and protocols in place to, um, you know, keep patients on board and like actually developing treatment plans that are taking a lot of time outside of the office. Um, and then, realizing that the structure of the clinic I was working in was not conducive to the way that I wanted to be treating people and the atmosphere that I wanted to create and um, the structure of the treatment plans that was really important to me at that time and still is. It just wasn't, I wasn't able to like sort of bridge those two gaps. And so I was still working at clinics when I started my own little like solo private practice. And I think what the, what that, you know, encouraged me to do was I really had to start doing um, like Facebook ads and jumping on Instagram lives and just getting more vocal in the community and then continuing to do like a lot of networking and connecting with other people and practitioners um, in Victoria in where we live in this in Victoria. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like really like stepping up and, and being more visible so that you weren't just waiting for those clients to come to you. You were like, okay, they need to know why my services might be helpful for them, but I need to be out there so I'm top of mind when they're ready to get some acupuncture, when they need some support with their hormones and reproductive health. Like the only way to do that is to, you know, uh, really be visible so that when the time is right, they're going to turn to you. Totally. And I mean, 
it's been a few years now and I've done a lot of things that like I would never do again, but have, I wouldn't really change because I've like, it's obviously brought me to where I am now, but you know, running different types of ads and promos and discount, um, sessions and, um, you know, obviously like making myself as visible as possible to my community. And I would say like almost from when I decided that I wanted to like be really like put the face out there that my practice was solely focused on, well, like predominantly focused on reproductive health, um, in terms of my activity on like social media specifically, I'd say that like the, there was a turning point of when people started to recognize and notice that was probably a year and a half almost. Mm. That's kind of like, I don't know, that's a long time. So like the determination and commitment to showing up over and over again, whether you're getting the results right away or not is like a pivotal piece. And so my commitment to myself and my practice and what I'm trying to create in my clinic um, is at the base of everything that I do in terms of my practice, my business every single day. So even if, you know, I do something that doesn't generate anything, I still know I'm like making steps towards the goal I'm, I'm working towards. And I think it's super easy to get really discouraged and, um, think that things aren't working and it's important to pivot and shift and like reassess what you're doing, but always be like having like what you're working towards in mind. Cause, um, it'll happen sooner than you think. It might just be uncomfortable for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's so true. And I think so many of us give up because we're like, it's not working yet. I'm doing all of the things. Like I, I do hear this a lot from, uh, new grads and people who just getting started and they're like, I'm doing everything I should be doing and it's not happening. And sometimes it just takes time. It takes, you know, awareness. And then it takes that trust for people to like, um, put their trust in you. Right. It just takes, the nurturing of having those people in your world for a little bit, um, but sticking with it. That's such a good point. So let's actually shift into now talking about you starting your own like physical clinic um, here in Victoria, BC, like Focus Health Clinic. Uh, What was that like? Like, how did that begin? How did it go? Like, did you just find a space one day and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do it. And what were like those beginning stages like of uh, starting the clinic? Well, I had been at like other people's clinics for a while. And then I was, I was down to being at one clinic and then I had had decided to take over one small treatment room in like a old converted heritage house. So I was, I was doing both at the same time. I was working in a clinic and had my own little practice. And that was my like feeler into what it'd be like to um, start kind of doing it more on my own. It also, it felt like that was a bit of a security blanket, like having the clinic that I knew was like relatively busy um, most of the time. So I could like count on that while I started up my own private practice. And um, it became like evident very, very quickly that I really preferred working for myself and not for another clinic. Um, Mm. But I wanted to make sure I was generating enough income. And I think that's also like kind of like a myth we all or might fall into and I fall into is like, once I hit this income bracket or once I hit this like certain patient load or something, then I'll be like set and ready to go. And that's never, ever been the case. Um, it's always just sort of like taking one step in front of the other and then a little leap of faith and just hoping for the best. Um, and so when I was in my private clinic that I had just started taking over, um, within the first year, they started talking about selling the building. Um, and that just led to a lot of unknowns about what that meant for my practice space. And I just started like putting feelers out there for 
other options of what I might be able to do. And just looking on Craigslist, driving around town, um, I saw a for rent sign at what is now my current office. I was like peering in the window, just like see what it looked like. And then the landlord of the building happened to be there. He showed me around and it kind of just took off from there. So it was pretty, it felt kind of like serendipitous. Um, it was like scary as heck um, the whole way through. Like I'm tr- I don't remember the date that I like looked at the building, but you know, the whole process of like negotiating a lease and like all this stuff and the renos and the upgrades and everything was like, you know, months and months and months. So that was a like a potential, like, or felt really stressful in that time. Um, it felt like in my body, it almost felt like this, like, like life or death choice, which seems really like exaggerated, but I was really conflicted because I was, you know, my practice did not feel busy enough to take on like moving from a one treatment room to five and to take mm-hmm. over like a whole commercial lease and to like really like go all in and not really have anyone else um, supporting me or on my team or to like, just like bear some of the weight of this responsibility too. Yeah. So that was, I would say like, it was easeful in some ways. And then like exceptionally, like more emotionally challenging <laughs> than anything else, just to, um, you know, think you're not ready, think it's not the right time, think that you should wait a bit longer. Um, but obviously I didn't do that. And <laughs> here we are now. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. You had to take a leap of faith. You're, you were doing something you had never done before in that capacity and um, without having certainty that it would work. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing that holds people back is like, I need to know that this is going to work, but you're never really going to know that. Um, so I, I mean, kudos to you for jumping in and doing it even when you're like, I'm not really sure. And obviously, you know, I'm sure there's still growing pains associated because it hasn't been open too, too long. I think Mm-hmm. A year or two now? Uh, it's been one year, one, one year. Uh, 13 months. Okay, yeah. So I'm sure there's still things you're learning and shifting and changing. But even from an outside perspective, because I mean, I guess I have been seeing you for about a year now. So mm. um, I guess I was kind of like beginning, one of those beginning clients yeah, near the beginning. I feel like you were, yeah. 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 <laughs> you, never, you never came to my old office, did you? No, I didn't. No, yeah, no, just, so just, awesome. I was yeah. the newbie. Yeah. But, um, you know, from an outside perspective, like, everything seemed to run so smoothly and it just keeps getting better. And it's been such like a, um, I want to say evolvement, but I don't think that's a real word, but like, you know, I've seen it evolve from, you know, what it was to what it is now. And it's such a cozy space and it's welcoming and you've brought on new practitioners and it's like, not all of it maybe happened right at once, but you allowed time for it to change and evolve, which I think is so, so amazing. Like, do you feel like it has evolved over the last year? Yes, of course. Do I acknowledge that? And like, um, appreciate that enough? Absolutely not. I think as, you know, I, I, I liken this to being someone who's like self-employed, but I feel like there's always this like drive to like what's next kind of, which is one of the beautiful things of like creating your own job and your own well clinic and like your own work-life schedule. Um, however, it also creates a bit of a challenge with appreciating like, where, like where you are now what you've accomplished so far, because you're always like, great, check, that's done. Let's move on to the next one. (laughs) So, um, but if I look at where we were like this time last year, like it's, it's amazing what's happened and how things are going. And, um, do I wish it had happened like faster? Probably, but who knows if I would have been able or ready to deal with all of the things that come with it being busier and, 
uh, more practitioners at that time anyway, because I, I like I said, I, I did it all by myself. Um, like, you know, not without the support of people in my life, but, you know, I was running the practice, my own practice and building the clinic and, you know, doing the renos and like figuring out how to navigate in this new space. So, um, you know, that would have been, I don't know if that would have been possible, like to have what we have now, you know, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's like it, it all happened for a reason where it was gradual because you needed that space and that time to kind of settle in. And that kind of also brings up another question for me is like, this might be hard for you to remember, but, you know, workload wise, like, did you feel like you took on a lot at the beginning and you were in kind of like a burnout phase? Um, and was it hard to manage client work and clinic work? Um, and like, how has that shifted now? Like, I, I know personally, you've like brought on some support. So I'm just curious, like, has the time you've put into the clinic shifted? Are you able to get a little bit more of that back now that it's more established? Yes. And I don't know if that's because it's established or because COVID happened because COVID was like a forced break mm. and it made me, it was a reminder of, um, so if, yeah, when, when COVID came, uh, my clinic shut down for about two months and it just was a reminder that there was other things in life that were important besides working in my practice. I love what I do. And so it's easy to get really caught up in, um, the importance of all that. But I honestly think it was more so COVID realizing that like, oh, okay, there's things that are important to me that um, I need to prioritize outside of just like doing all the things in my business, like from being the practitioner to like, you know, the office manager to all the admin stuff, answering all the phones, answering the emails, like doing wow. bookkeeping, all this stuff. So um, actually earlier at the, like at the beginning of the year, I brought on a bookkeeper. Um, I always have like had an accountant that I run things by, um, and then right before the COVID lockdown, I brought on an admin person to help me out at the front. And she's actually, she's back now since we've come back to work um, earlier in the summer. And I also have someone who's supporting me in terms of like virtual um, assistance services who does like telephone answering and um, new patient inquiries and things. And that has been um, exceptionally <laughs> lovely. And it's been really nice to step back from that admin stuff. Um I do love the business building side of things. I think it's really exciting and fun and like creative. Um, for me, the draining part is like just the the little admin details and like rebooking and rescheduling and answering the phone and stuff. So um, absolutely necessary at first. But now that I've found something that uh, means I don't have to do it, I can't even like imagine going back <laughs> to doing yeah. it that way. Yeah. Well, and now it kind of clears up your time to be more of the visionary for the future of the business versus like being stuck in the mundane everyday tasks, which you can really easily delegate. But did you, and I ask this because I have trouble with this. So I'm so <laughs> curious about you. Did you have trouble delegating over in terms of like, this was your baby, this was your business, you had control over everything. Was it hard to be like, okay, somebody else can do this and kind of release if they do it the right way or the way you like it done? Um, I don't know yet. I'm still learning. Um, I catch myself often, like messaging my admin person, being like, like asking her if she did it this way and stuff. So I'm like, make trying to like catch myself to not be too like micromanagey as well, mm -hmm. and letting um, that go. You know, making sure that you've like, I've checked in with the people that I'm working with, and that they're like, I've told them the way that I like that we run things here and the way things go, and then just trusting that they are doing that <laughs> that we've talked about um it's it's not it's not i would say it's not easy actually at all it's it's very freeing and i think that the satisfying like the satisfaction from 
letting that go outweighs the need to want to micromanage because I would rather have someone else <laughs> do it than have me do it. So I am like letting that go, which is is great. Oh, I love that. That's that's amazing. And it's so needed too. I, I feel you. I'm learning it too as I go. But every time you release something, just like you said, it's like, why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> like, how was I doing this for so long without any help? So I, I get you. And I, it's, I mean, it's, it's not, it's expensive, you know, getting help is, can be pricey and there's, depending on what your business model is, like with how the world is moving, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to have people do virtual work. And so that actually drops the price down a lot instead of bringing someone in and them having to drive and show up at your office, you know, you can have them be doing stuff for you from afar that, um, you know, gets the job done in the same way, but will cost less. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Yeah, absolutely. Hey there, I hope you're getting so much value from this episode. So I wanted to take a quick pause to tell you about the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective and share a special offer just for podcast listeners like you. If you're trying to get momentum with your nutrition business or need some support figuring out your next steps or brainstorming ideas, this monthly membership is for you. Inside, you'll get monthly in-depth marketing, sales, and business trainings and Q&A sessions to help you grow your nutrition business, as well as a supportive community where you can ask questions and exchange ideas. If you want to learn more or join us in the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective, head on over to www.stephanielong.ca slash membership and be sure to use the code podcast in the checkout to get your first month for only $7. See you inside. Okay. I would love to chat about you bringing on those first few practitioners. I know that it, you have kind of a collection. I believe you have a naturopath, a massage therapist. You've had some that you've brought on that um, maybe had to leave due to, due to personal reasons and COVID. Like I know there was just so many elements that came out mm. in your last year. Um, but what was it like bringing those first practitioners on? And I would also like to ask... Um, how do you, as the clinic owner, like do a clinic uh, fee split with these practitioners, and what does that look like? Uh, well, I I knew I my vision for the clinic was always to have like myself acupuncture, like Chinese medicine, um, alongside naturopathic medicine. And so at the beginning, I had um, some uh, an old colleague reach out to me, who's an acupuncturist who wanted to work in the space, and that's worked out really well. And then I brought on an RMT. So it was the three of us for the first while. And then I've um, recently brought on two naturopathic doctors, which is like super oh. exciting. Um, Cause again, that's always been in like the, the vision to offer those, these two modalities like together. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm like super, super jazzed that they're here. They're, um, they're great practitioners and it's been really like, that's felt really um, almost like, uh, like the goal has been reached for part of <laughs> what I'm trying to create because, um, now they're on board and they're, they're so lovely. Um, when I, as a practitioner practicing in someone else's space, I quickly realized, um, that like, I really disliked the percentage split. So I'm, I think every clinic I've worked at did a 60, 40 split. So it was 60% of earnings to the practitioner and 40% to the clinic. Mm -hmm. And then if you add certain taxes or other little admin fees, um, sometimes I was walking away with about 50% of the, of my overall earnings. And it just was really, I realized really quickly what that meant for like my own income level and, um, realized that wasn't necessarily going to work for me. And, um, so what I do with my practitioners is I ask for a flat rent. So it's a flat base rent every single month. It's the exact same. Um, 
there's like, they get to, you know, make their schedules, they get to decide their pricing. And they, so they, they, the opportunity to generate income is a lot higher um, once you get going. Of course, if you're a new practitioner with no clients, having to pay a flat rent is very daunting. So that's why the split is really appealing, I think, to newer practitioners. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if once you get busy and you have your flat rent, you're, the income earning is a lot greater. And I did that for a few reasons, partly for my own um, like ease of bookkeeping and managing the finances of the business. It's just easier to have a flat sum instead of um, navigating everyone's money coming in and then me having to pay them out the 60%. That is, um, you know, brings you into a different tax bracket, makes bookkeeping and accounting a lot more work, which was just not something I wanted to deal with at this point. And I really wanted the practitioners to be making money and to be happy and to be feeling good about where they're working. Um, that seems to be like the most common complaint that I saw anyway, was that they felt like, you know, that you're giving a clinic so much money to be there. And so there's, you know, there's, you know, both sides, you know, for when there's flat rent and it's like a cheaper rent, we don't have like reception services for everybody. You know, you have to furnish and supply your own room. Like, Certain things are, you know, different than maybe working at a bigger clinic. But my goal was that as people generated their practice and got busier, that they would hopefully feel really like satisfied about the work environment and then also the financial environment so that they were, um, you know, able to hopefully stay and be part of the team for a long time. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And it kind of, I could assume it feels a little bit more empowering, right? If you have that stability of knowing how much money you are paying for this space every month, um, and then you do have that like income potential, it's kind of, it is more, I guess, entrepreneurial feeling than if you're paying a split fee. And then you might even actually hesitate to bring on more clients because you feel this resentment of, well, I'm just paying X amount over every time I have a client. Like I kind of feel like there's a, an energy difference there a little bit. Yeah. And I, the, with the splits too, um, sometimes there'll be like a base rent minimum and sometimes there'll be a cap. And these are all things that you should like discuss if you are going into that. Cause that's something I learned the, the hard way mm-hmm. at one of my clinics is that I was, you know, it was actually, so I would, would work one of my clinics, I would work two days a week at downtown Victoria And I would sometimes give the clinic that month for two days a week, um, the same amount of money that I now pay for my overhead rent at my office. Wow. Um, So I don't need to give you like a specific number, but it just means I was paying them so much money for 16, not even like 12 hours a week. So whatever that is every month um, was equating to the exact same that I'm paying for full-time use of my office space. So, and it's because I didn't, initially set up a cap. So it meant like I could be busy, but it meant I was always only walking away with 60% and the clinic was walking away with 40%. And if, if it was quite busy, that, that number got pretty high. So instead of saying like, you know, it's 60, 40 up until X amount of dollars. And then the rest is the practitioners. It just goes up and up and up and the clinic keeps benefiting, which is great for the clinic, but not as great for the practitioner. So having like a a cap is usually, uh, is a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, I never worked in a clinical setting. So um, I always just like speak out of experience from like other clients that have done this. But what I have always kind of 
recommended was similar to what you said, you know, if it starts out with a split, you have to really assess at the point where, okay, the split doesn't make sense anymore. And even a flat rate or a cap would make sense. Um, Because I think we can like let this get away from ourselves and we don't really self-assess like, okay, I'm at this point now where this has to shift and change. But if you've signed a contract with a clinic and you didn't maybe negotiate this at the beginning, you might shoot yourself in the foot a bit. So I feel like when it comes to signing up with a clinic, and I'm sure you could agree, Steph, like if there is any kind of contract between the clinic and and you as a practitioner, make sure that it works for both of you and read through it so that you feel empowered in the choice you're making to join this clinic. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully the clinics are like on board with discussing the contract if it's not like meeting your needs. Um, but if you have like other practitioner friends or someone else who can look over it for you, uh, that would probably, or like at least give you some guidance about like potentially what to look for. Cause I mean, even at one of my other clinics, I signed the same one I just mentioned where I was working just a couple of days a week. Um, I signed a contract and was working like 60, 40 split and was realizing again, really quickly, like, whew, like I'm giving them so much money. So then I went back to the clinic owner and I said, Hey, can we adjust this? So like after I hit this like amount of money, like the split changes to a, like a 75, um, or 65, 35 split. Mm-hmm. And then when I hit this percentage, it'll go to a 70, 30 split. And then like, they were on board. They're like, that sounds great. But what I didn't realize is I still didn't do that correctly. So with the way the pay schedule was and the way that the, um, tiering of the income worked, it meant that my, my income actually stayed the same because I didn't, I didn't, set up the proposal correctly like it like well so I was like woohoo I did this new contract shift I'm gonna make more money and then at the first paycheck I was like what <laughs> and I realized I just I didn't do it right and it's and that's you know you learn through learning and like making mistakes but um if I had had maybe someone look it over or someone else who'd been practicing for a little while maybe would have caught the um this before signing another year-long contract which locked me into being in the same position I was in before <laughs> Mm, yeah, I'm sure these are just those growing pains too that you learn and you kind of like kick yourself a little bit for. But, you know, at least for you opening your own clinic, like now you have the awareness. You've gone through those trials to be like, okay, here's how I want to do this a bit differently. Um, and, you know, maybe in a in a sense of like, I'm going to take what I learned and like try to have my clinic um, be the best of all those situations combined and, and do it in a way that's going to serve everybody. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about, you know, how you even, uh, maybe leverage referrals in your own clinic or how you tell the other practitioners to, um, get clients coming in or get referrals. Like, is there certain like marketing ideas that you give them? Do you send clients over? Like how could somebody approach this referrals, um, in a clinic setting? Mm Hmm. So... Again, referrals are like a funny thing because I think like everyone is particular about how they like what kind of treatments they like, who they like to work with. So what I what I found so far to work really really well is that like if we're in the office at the same time as somebody as another practitioner, like what if I'm working with a patient and they're telling me something that's going on for them and I can like I know that I want to refer them to this practitioner if they're in the office that day and have a minute for me to like do an introduction like in that moment and like let them like connect, shake hands, like introduce each other. That is typically like has worked best for referrals because it's just like, they've literally told me what's going on for them. I can tell them this person is like a really great connection for you. And here you get to meet them right away. I find like giving us someone a business card or saying like, Oh, you should go check out so-and-so rarely works. 
And if it does, I find it typically works because you've given them a business card, you've told them you should go see so-and-so, they've followed them on social media, they've checked out their website, then maybe they've heard their name again, mm. like three or four times. It's, I guess I've never seen it really work super well that it's like a one time, like go see this person and they go do it unless there's some yeah, like physical connection or, um, yeah, or like maybe a more a driving force. It seems to sometimes take like a couple nudges or reminders or exposures to um, that person before they're like ready or on board with um, accepting or taking that referral. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I think having like knowing really well, like what like that person is or what your um, niche is, what your expertise is, where like your like offering shine is really helpful because I mean, if someone is like, Oh, uh, like obviously like working with me, if they're like, Oh, this person like wants to get pregnant or they're having struggles, struggles with their menstrual cycle. Like my hope is that people are like, well, obviously like if you want acupuncture, like Stephanie at focus health is the person you should go see because that's where she spends the majority of her time. And that's who she treats all day. Um, and so it becomes like, because people know me hopefully for that. And because I have a lot of experience in that, it becomes almost like a no brainer hopefully if people like are in alignment with wanting to work with the way that I work but like human connection I find is is has been the the biggest thing meeting someone in person making connections with other practitioners and not just selling yourself when you meet them I think I like I'm, I'm guilty of this too when you start networking at the beginning you want to like talk about you and your practice and like what you can help and why you're so great um, which isn't super like engaging and connecting for other people so you know, making actual like real life connections with people and like genuinely caring about who they are and what they have to offer. And then seeing if you would want to be like working together and, and connecting over like patients or clients. Um, because where we live and depending on where you are, like word of mouth and like connection in the community is a huge part of that. So I have found more benefit, like connecting with people that, um, are like into the same things I am going out in the community and like participating in classes and workshops and things like that. than um, just cold calling and meeting people like for 15 minutes for coffee once, and then hoping that I get a bunch of referrals from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You added a lot of good uh, tips there and, and food for thought about, you know, it really is about nurturing the connections and it's not about, yeah, like, Hey, here's who I am. Here's what I can do. And then people feel like there's no, like, you know, what's in it for them. People want to know, they want to feel heard and listened to. And if you can even create some kind of like initial connection and then they hear about you a few more times, they're going to feel drawn to you. And then that's where hopefully the magic happens. They book in and they're your new client. But I think, uh, it's not always about like the short game. It's about the long game, right? You might touch base with someone once and then you have to nurture it a bit and then it takes a little bit more time and then they might come and book in. So I'm sure you see that in the clinic too where someone who said they'd book in months ago end up booking in and it just took more time and awareness of of you, you and your services for them to kind of come in the door. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people, well, yeah, they're on their own schedule. They'll come in when, <laughs> when they're ready. Um, and like the, yeah, I don't, it's like, it's such a funny, a funny thing, this referral business. But what I do find is that, you know, you might have to meet many, many people and then you'll find like your, your few folks that really like their, their patients or their clients like jive with what you have to offer. And it almost be like, you only need a couple of people that like refer to you for it to become like, it's, I feel like you get a better connection from having like 
two or three people that refer many patients to you than from like 50 people that refer one patient every once in a while, mm-hmm. because you start to develop these relationships with those other people, like the practitioners, and you, um, you start to sort of work synergistically together and you can really trust those other people that they're going to take care of your patients and they in turn trust you to take care of their patients. And it becomes, um, yeah, a, a really like beautiful connection and relationship, uh, that I find I like much better than, um, casting a wide net nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that stuff. That's so important. Um, it's true. It's not about having a million connections. It can be those few that make a huge difference. And um, I'm not sure if you're aware of um, marketing for hippies. Have you ever heard of Ted or Tad Hargrave? I have, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you know his like theory about hub marketing? I don't. I follow him on on Facebook, so I see his posts, but that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I went to one of his uh, workshops here in Victoria and talks about hub marketing. Pretty easy concept, but it's basically like you as the practitioner or the coach or whatever modality you're in going out and trying to find 100 clients, you know, that's going to take a lot of time. That's going to be quite tough. But if you can kind of hook up with those hubs in the community, like maybe it is an, another um, acupuncturist that doesn't do for you specifically like reproductive health and um, women's health, maybe they do something different and they can start referring to you. Or if you hook up with a massage therapist or, you know, whoever it is that that is that hub already operating a business in the city in kind of like a, I don't know, crossover um they like have a crossover practice, if that makes any sense. So it's not like exactly what you're doing, but it's similar. And then you can kind of tap into their network and start, you know, doing, I don't know, trainings or lives or um, meeting with their community or just somehow uh, bringing some value to their community and leveraging that and then hopefully pulling some of those people over to your community. So that's the whole idea of hub marketing. But it sounds like that's similar to what you're talking about as well. Yeah, sounds pretty, sounds pretty similar. Yeah. All right, Steph, this has been such a good conversation. Um, Super helpful. Thank you for being so uh, honest about your experience and kind of like lifting back the curtain and talking about the clinic split and your experience and some of your tips. Uh, I think this has been really helpful for those listening. Uh, I know so many people want to jump into a clinic and think it's, you know, going to be, you know, that magic pill for them. So I'm glad that you talked about, you know, some of the things to look out for and maybe advocate for yourself. Uh, And then some of those ideas for starting your own clinic were, were awesome as well. So thank you. And I would love for you to share uh, where people can find you. Totally. I mean, if people are curious and want to reach out and ask questions about this, like Instagram is a great place to, to come find me and and ask any questions. I'm super happy to chat. And it's at ritual.medicine on Instagram. That's a good place to, to come come find me and ask any questions about practice building. Cause I'm super happy to share. I had a lot of great uh, mentors and connections um, as I, as I've been moving through this process. And um, so I'm happy to like repay the favor to folks that are figuring all this stuff out for themselves. That's awesome stuff. Yeah. It's always nice to have somebody in your corner, at least be able to ask a question to and get a little bit of feedback. So that's super generous of you to offer. And um, I will make sure your Instagram handle is in the show notes for anyone interested. And like I said earlier, if you're in Victoria, don't walk, run to Stephanie right now because she is an awesome (laughs) practitioner. Um, Her space is so cozy. It's such a nice uh, vibe if you're looking for support with your health and reproductive health. And honestly, um, I really can't thank you enough, Stephanie, for what you've done for me. And I just want to repay the favor for anyone that is looking for support too. So 
Um, yeah, thanks again for being here. Well, thanks so much, Steph. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend, or take us on social media. Catch you next time.